Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA4 Money Show, episode 61. In this show, we will review UFC 254 and preview UFC Vegas 12 Hall versus Silva. I am Bob Boss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind. There on Twitter, here with Mikey Gills. On Twitter, that's Mikey Gills with a Z. Again, reminding you, don't follow the other guy. He's let us know the attention is troublesome. He's trying to stay on the straight and narrow, and you guys are causing him to deviate. It's not a good thing. Also, follow the show at MMA4 Money Show. Would appreciate that. Get all the retweets and all the other information that we're putting out there. Mikey Gills, how are you doing? I'll be doing a lot better as soon as those people stop sending like the the nudes to the uh, the fake mic. Send them to me with a Z at the end. But other than that, I'm happy. I'm pumped <laughs> up. It's Halloween. Got the Wayne's World on. This is the best costume I have. And I wanted to throw this special thing out there. The official Wayne's World model Stratocaster covered in ICP stickers. Let's go basically it's the exact guitar he's playing right after they get paid to be on the show and yeah. he goes to change ching. they won't let him play stairway to heaven it, it's a whole ordeal um, just yeah, imagine man, that guitar was given to like a kid in 11th grade and he was just really into like weird music back then that's me let's go <laughs> <laughs> well you're no longer a weird kid in 11th grade so we've at least moved on since that point but the mma4 money show is here live right now on twitch periscope on and youtube you're seeing the live info going right now on twitter hi twitter you can find the show on apple podcast spotify google podcast overcast podcast the rss feed we are live on youtube if you're watching us there thank you otherwise catch the show after the fact as well as little snippets little tidbits reviews of bets little funny quips or just straight fire like both mics got into talking about the Khabib making of weight that apparently so many of you enjoyed uh, subscribe to never miss a show like comment and share spread the word those reviews are huge and go right into UFC 254 quick review on most of it we'll hop back a little bit and obviously review the bets and how DraftKings did the first fight of the night Joel Alvarez just completely smoked Alexander uh, Yakovlev first round armbar Casey Kenny got a greasy but somewhat clear decision. I don't know. I thought he won, but uh, many didn't. Liana Jojua got the TKO Dr. Stoppage after round one. Wait, did I say that wrong? Isn't that flipped? Uh, either way. We'll get, it doesn't really matter to anyone here, so we're just going to move on. I just know there was a cut and possibly a broken nose and a lot of stitches. We're moving on. Um, one downside of this card was Daun Jung. And Sam Alvey going to a split draw, which hurt us on DraftKings. We'll get there. Uh, everyone's favorite shaved cat got that round one guillotine over <laughs> Cowboy Oliveira. Tai Tuavasa just straight got that. He not only TKO'd Stefan Struve, but then he climbed the fence and kicked him in the head for just like for, for good measure. Um, they finally were able to make Ankalaya versus Kutalapa, and it. Barely last a few minutes, and Kudalab was looking up at the lights. And Goliath got that round one TKO. Lauren Murphy got a round two rear naked choke and then proceeded in the press conference to make her case for a championship fight, fighting after beating Lilia Shekarova. 
moving on <laughs> phil <laughs> phil hawes who now everyone will be exceedingly high on got that round one tko to kick tko ko punches which i'm excited about for the future of fading him but that that's beyond the point alexander volkov minus 170 got that round two tko kick to the solar plexus it was beautiful not to mention the Everyone's covering his amazing back cover up. He no longer looks like Moana's grandma. He's he looks like a samurai. <laughs> and, uh, Robert Whitaker gets unanimous decision over Jared Cannonier after seemingly breaking Jen Cannonier's arm in either the late first or the second with a kick. You can see the pictures of it uh, online. It's like the huge bump and the inability to throw there for him. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov made us eat crow. <laughs> and got yeah. that round two triangle choke. I'll tell you what, that we'll, we'll get to it, but that first round went exactly how I thought it was going to for the most part, and it was kind of stepping into that way before, obviously, it went the other way. So yeah. quickly, I'm going to recap the bets on this. Mike Gills will get the DraftKings recap, and we'll probably hit a few more high notes on this card before moving on. Well, the bet recap, we went 2-0. and Plus two units. You are welcome for a free podcast. Tai Tuavasa was the first bet at minus 105 to win one unit when he took out Struve. We didn't get extra money for the kick in the head from the fence. I feel like we should have, but that, that's okay. Um, Alexander Volkov just, like, like I said, he should have been twice as expensive. It was not even close. If he actually was even just a little bit less, I probably would have put more on it. But minus 170 is sometimes a tricky too late money on so we ended that night 2-0 i had an additional bet on just engage but that blew up in my face but i still had one day too so if you followed our picks there's some free money for you mike gills how did we do on the draft kings yes i'm saying the draft kings because i'm professional the i stopped calling them the draft kings after the big scoring snafu of uh last week but we're, we're done with that um starting off for us we did actually uh, pretty good again four of six picks for 486 and a half points um, and it's worth noting, because if you remember, we had three underdogs going on this card and we cashed two more of them this week. So that if you're keeping tally of the show, that's eight of our last 11 DraftKings underdogs that have hit. So as far as last week goes, we'll start off with our top scorer, Magomed Ankalayoff. He finally did what COVID did and he put down Iwan Kutalaba, scored 120 and a half points in the process. Next up, first underdog on the night for us was Tai Tuivasa, 113 points for leaving Struve a, a dead heap on the mat. And it's, it's like I said, I, I, I have no idea why he was the underdog for that fight. It made no sense to me, but, I mean, take it as a gift when you can get it. Uh, next up, Phil Hawes, a very scary man, did what very scary men do. He took out Jacob Malkoon in the first, cashed for 103.5 points. Next up is our second underdog of the night that cashed, Shave Cat Rock Molotov. No one, got to that, no one got back to us on Twitter with the correct emoji form for it. That hurt my feelings a little bit. I thought our followers were comfortable a little bit more. Maybe next week. Anyway, he got the sub over Cowboy Oliveira in the first, cashed for 96 and a half points. And unfortunately, this is where our luck changed. Uh, Sam, Al- Sam Alvey made me pay for the disrespect. That is, that's been a theme on the show since I've been on here. If you overly disrespect somebody, they automatically stick it right up your, you know, whatever. So he took Dao Jung to a draw. It was extra depressing because he was the highest priced guy on the card at $9,400. He only cashed for 38 points in a draw. Ouch. I mean, you were talking about the, uh, the Tai Tuivasa, like, extra kick on the head. I wish they would have given him that for a significant strike where we could transfer it over to a different fighter. Might have helped us out a little bit. But anyway, uh, last up, our only underdog on the night that didn't cash, it was Justin Gaethje. Um, I don't know what to say, really. He was, he was treated like an infant every single time that he hit the mat, and it was kind of depressing. But it, if we can, can we call like some sort of a mulligan on this one? Because it's sort of like when um, Francis Ngannou fought Stipe, and you realize that, oh, he actually has never trained 
even a minute of wrestling in his life. Like, how are we supposed to know as fighters that Justin Gaethje took the Dave Pee Wee Herman route and just said that, like, jujitsu doesn't work. I'm never going to train it because that's what it looked like. As soon as they hit the mat, Gaethje looked like he was a day one guy. I mean, he gave up all the wrong positions in the first round. He was seconds away from getting subbed. And then the second round, as soon as it hit, Khabib did whatever he wanted to him. But yeah, either way, 486 and a half points. It was a high scoring card overall. This may or may not have kept you in the money, but 486 points, if you were just playing in a smaller tournament, like a 10-man or something, you almost certainly would have won that. I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have won you any of the bigger ones, but you know, obviously don't always play in the 20,000-person contest. But either way, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with this night. No, obviously, like we've talked about in the past in terms of like in average or just like pretty much day in and day out will show in and show out rather to be consistently – over like like we've talked about our average is easily over 450 since you've been on the show which yeah i would be lucky if i broke that back when i was <laughs> playing DraftKings. so this might be a reason i don't play it as much anymore so we'll give you credit well, we would have been we would have been in the big money this week if jung would have just won one more round uh so we were one round away from winning a significant amount more and that would have kept everybody in way big plus money so close enough well, now it's time to talk about what everybody has been talking about. The pound for pound list. Why isn't Khabib number one for pound for pound? Khabib is number one pound for pound. John Jones is number one pound for pound. Depending what rules you want to have in here, uh, if you want to have, if you tested positive for PEDs, you can't be on there, fine. GSP beats Khabib. If you're okay having people with PEDs in there, because frankly, I mean, most everybody's on something. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. They are. Um, then John Jones beats him. And then even more people beat him. It's the hard part is the old adage. Is it better to burn out than to fade away? Because if you want to go pound for pound, Anderson Silva's on there too. These guys that have fought in multiple weight classes are up there too. This is not meant as a disrespect to, I'm not being over, just over, uh, just d- dump out on them too much because we know how that, uh, how that feels for us. But, um, I, four title defense, like four title fights. And right. I mean, they're, wrong. they're against great guys and he's, get, he's getting finishes. It's awesome. But, if you look at his strength of schedule up until the last couple of fights, it wasn't there. I know it's not close. And everyone's saying that at the end of even GSPs, they were close. But if you look into his heyday after he was champion, he was fighting the absolute best in the division and it wasn't close. There was like a six year stint where he didn't lose a round and he lost like one round to Shield was the first round he lost in forever at uh, UFC 129. And there was an eye poke involved where he could barely see. So I, all four talk, he's there and I'm not even sure. I would, I would say top 10 all-time lightweight i'm comfortable saying that but because there isn't the the title reign and then the beat of consistently of his contemporaries i know obviously the top whatever that's great like two or three more i'm right there with you but he's fading away now and it's done mikey gills pound for pound list let's piss off some more people (laughs) (laughs) no just I'm, i'm with you with uh john jones being at the top of that list uh, we'll get to Khabib in a second, but if you look at just John Jones' record, he's 27-0. He was the youngest ever UFC champion. He's been fighting top competition since his early 20s. And from the time he was a young man in the UFC, you know, he, he beat Brandon Vera when that mattered. He beat Ryan Bader, Shogun Hua, Rampage Jackson, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Alexander Gustafsson twice, Chael Sonnen, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier twice. OS, uh, twice, yeah, I said it twice. Deal with it. Daniel Cormier twice, OSP. And- Squared. Yeah. <laughs> and then he decisioned uh, three of the current top light heavyweight guys on his way out. 
uh, you know, and Reyes Sanchez and Smith. And he beat both of these guys without breaking a sweat. I mean, like, look, like realistically, he broke more toes than he did sweats throughout that entire big run. You know, like that's a level of dominance, like nothing we've ever seen in the sport. And, and he didn't just beat those guys. He beat them at their own games. He was out wrestling the elite wrestlers. He was out striking the elite strikers. And he submitted multiple Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. It doesn't matter where the fight went. John Jones is ready for it, and he dominated. And then when you stack up the top guys that Khabib has beaten during his run, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's certainly impressive. Uh, but, like, it, that, his list of opponents is objectively less impressive to me. Like, when you just look at it, he just hasn't fought the guys that John Jones did. John Jones beat generations of talent, generations of talent. Khabib just didn't. Khabib beat everyone who was put in front of him, but he was limited by time. He's retiring early, and he hasn't put in enough work to get at the top of that GOAT list. And then one other thing I wanted to touch on was Daniel Cormier made it a point in his argument to say that, oh, well, Khabib did it mistake-free. Khabib did it mistake-free. Are you sure about that? Because I just saw Khabib miss weight for the first time. And in a righteous world, Khabib is no longer the champ. He doesn't get to retire as champ because that belt's taken off of him as soon as he misses weight. But, you know, that, 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 that part to me, when Daniel Cormier made that, it irked me. Just like, he misses weight, you can miss me with that argument. And that's all I have to say. Well, and his argument for not GSP was because GSP en- ended welterweight with a close fight, even yeah. though he got the win. And then he had two earlier losses that he avenged. Right. Like to me, that shows that shows growth. Like I would almost rather have, like, let's say, Khabib got uh, fast tracked too early and then lost to. It's hard to say because the, the lightweight top is a little bit different, but like lost to someone like a Frankie Edgar way back when, right? And then just from sheer volume and takedown defense, and then rematched him a few years later, even after Edgar was out of the championship. And forget, like I sometimes almost weigh uh, have more weight in that because they've clearly gotten better. I mean, I. <laughs> I don't want to sound like we're dumping on Khabib. He's amazing, but I just for the pound for pound list as as meaningless as the the list actually is, I, I wanted more. I, yeah, I I just wanted more. <laughs> and, and it's also worth noting we should we shouldn't let this go without saying that John Jones isn't done. He's on his way to another division. Who's to say that he doesn't go up to heavyweight and do this? Heavyweight, you can fight mm-hmm. until you're 48 years old. Doesn't matter. Who knows where he's going to go? Mm-hmm. Especially when he puts down like that that 40 pounds of just like good eating and dedication. Yeah, he's in the squat rack right now, about to go hide under the cage at Jackson Wink again. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that one was good. Um, <laughs> sorry, I really enjoyed that, especially now that he's like committed that, hey, yeah. I hid under a cage, but it wasn't for the reasons you guys thought. Sorry. Hey, shout <laughs> out to Chael Sonnen, reporter of the century. Uh, moving on to UFC Vegas 12, Hall versus Silva. Um, um, actually, I need to quick double check this with you because I didn't check before the show. Are the DraftKings salaries out? Or are you just going to be going yeah. by? Oh, there are. They, they did come out at the end of the day, so I had a chance to, okay, to get all awesome. done. We're good. No, even as of earlier today, when we were talking about the scheduling of the show and what we were going to do, they still had salaries yet. I'm like, well, we've never had this happen before, so yeah. you're good. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I to hear that. Happen. So um, <laughs> I will, since we do not have a real mic here as of now, we might get him later, but as of right now, we don't have him. We're going to go just, I'll list off the fights. If you can give your DraftKings breakdown, and then I'll come back on the betting perspective. Some will probably be quicker picks on my end, just because betting-wise, I don't think they're worth a second look. But uh, UFC Vegas 12, Halver Silva, Mikey Gills, Miles Johns is minus 160 versus Kevin Felice Navidad, plus 140. Do you remember the first time that we broke down Kevin Navidad and I actually called him Felice Navidad like it was his real name? You should. That's his name now. That's his name now. (laughs) 
right, we'll start off with Miles Johns. 10 and 1, two knockouts, two submissions, going off for $8,400 on DraftKings. Coming off the first loss of his career, he had a nasty flying knee from Mario Batista back in February. Uh, he's a bully type fighter. He's going to come forward throwing heavy punches. He'll get you backing up and then he'll look to get you down. He has a pretty clear advantage on the ground in this fight, and I think that's where he's going to take it. He's going up against Felice Navidad, 9 and 1, five knockouts, one submission, going off for $7,800. Making his UFC debut after he was forced to withdraw, forced to withdraw against Brian Kelleher due to COVID. He's won five straight, but if you remember when we broke him down last time, we talked about his padded record. And you know, I don't think we need to go in depth about it again. But suffice to say, he hasn't been consistently challenging himself. Challenging himself. I think that's the polite way to put it. This guy has a very go look it up for yourself on Tapology. Check out the records of his opponents. It's not good. Um, as far as his fighting style, he's pretty reckless. Uh, he's effective in terms of pressure, but it's going to leave him open for counters. Uh, in fact, one of the only fighters he's ever faced with a solid record knocked him out in nine seconds because Natividad just ran across the cage and ran literally right into a fist. Just wild, hands out. It's crazy. Anyway, I think John was so excited roll- for Christmas morning. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. I like that. But uh, I think this is an easy fight. John should roll here. He's a style that just wins rounds. And I think Natividad's style is just open to being exploited by that. I've, I've never seen his style work against any higher level competition. And, you know, he's reckless. He's going to get taken down. He can get back up, but I think he gets taken down again for $8,400. John's is an apt, absolute gift. Nativity odds to stay away from me. Uh, stay away from me. Don't get fooled by his padded record. I don't. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a little beforehand. We are back in Vegas at the Apex. So this is very important to understand. Don't be fooled by, hey, smaller cages equal finishes. Sometimes they do, but it's, we brought this up before, it's, it's going to bring wrestlers and people that excel in the clinch and putting you up against the cage, it gives them the edge. This is one of those times you're going to have Miles John's going to be able to just straight bullish way across the fence if Felice doesn't just get too excited. And he's just like, I, I got to get into this contact as fast as humanly possible. Uh, the contact's going to happen early, and I think John's going to be able to put heavy enough hands on him. I do think that he is going to get a finish here. and But no bet on here, just because if you know my rule, typically I want two or three fights in the UFC so I could fully flesh out where you're at. Um, we're going to jump for straight from that, from that quick pick of John's, into Courtney Casey for Priscilla Cachuera. Casey is my 230. Kechuera, or as uh, Shaggy P, Paul Shag likes to call her, catch a beating, which I very much enjoy. <laughs> Plus 190. Um, Mikey Gills, Casey Kechuera. Oh, I can't wait to steal that the next time I talk about these fights. Um, <laughs> Courtney Casey, nine and eight. Uh, crazy little record there. Nine and eight in the UFC, three knockouts, four subs, going off for $8,700. She's spent most of her career in the UFC. She's five and seven since going, coming in, most recently getting submitted by Jillian Robertson, but no shame in that. Jillian submits everyone. Um, Courtney usually has success when she's the better grappler, which she is in this fight, and she's going up against Priscilla. What was her uh, catch a beating? I love that. Uh, nine, nine and three, five knockouts, four subs, $7,500 on DraftKings. She lost her first three UFC fights, debuting against Valentina Shevchenko, which is just mean. Sean Shelby, that was, that was, that was bad on you. Anyway, her striking resembles like how can I put this? I have it just, it says bad, but like if you ever played the original knockout Kings for PlayStation, where they're very limited in their move sets, that's kind of what it reminds me of. She just has a couple and then you hit triangle and she headbutts. But anyway, um, in her fight against Valentina, like it was, it highlighted how little she has to offer from her back. It kind of looked like a first day Brazilian jiu-jitsu girl, like, like 
only if the coaches of that gym were allowed to punch you. But that's kind of what it looked like to me. Uh, Casey should win this fight with her grappling. Priscilla's a wild striker who leaves herself open and not only being punched, but being taken down as well. Casey has a lot of losses, but they're mostly the top end fighters. Priscilla hasn't shown anything to be considered top level. And this is a major style clash that favors Casey for $8,700. I think Casey's a great play on DraftKings. I'm going to have her in a lot of my lineups. Uh, one thing that we talked about ahead of times, I brought up um, an into the distance prop. I'm not going to bet it because obviously me and props don't typically mix, but Casey into the distance was plus 275 less I looked and I could really see her finding a sub here. I just, she is a solid like C plus two a B in everything. So it's those people that are like exceptionally good at striking or exceptionally good at grappling in terms of the divisions in women, women's MMA. They beat her. That's not who Priscilla is. So I agree. I think she's going to get her down at some point. And I would not be surprised if whether it be ground and pound, just like sheer like amounts of volume where they finally have to call it unless they have the same judge of when she fought Valentina and they're just going to watch her get hit over and over <laughs> again. Either way, or opening up a submission from those strikes, like giving yourself open. So I, I like Casey in a big way here, but obviously there's, there's a lot of big favorites on this card, but we will find you some spots where it's tighter and even some – um. Uh, underdogs that we like so next up dustin jacoby minus 320 versus justin ledette plus 260 uh, wayne oh. where you <laughs> excellent uh sorry off about justin Le- yeah. well you have the blonde hair it makes sense you just have to like give it's yourself true. an overbite just say hey but uh anyway start off with, uh, that was under <laughs> what i don't know whatever um, start off with Justin Ledette here. Nine and three, two knockouts, five subs. Going off for $7,300 on DraftKings. Started off his career well. Nine and zero, including three wins in the UFC. But it has been all downhill since then. I really wish Real Mike was here because I get to mention one of these next things. Three straight losses to Alexander Rakic, Johnny Walker, and Alexa Kamer. Those losses are really the theme of my whole entire prediction here because each of those guys presented a different approach to stand-up fighting, and Ledette didn't have an answer for either one. Rakic is a more technical guy who can fight from range, take you apart with kicks. Walker was a balls-to-the-wall YOLO striker. And Kamer's just a guy who likes to like, get in close and mix it up in the pocket. And Ledette just doesn't know how to handle that. And the problem for him in this fight is now he's facing a guy who's capable of fighting all those styles, maybe better than all of them. Going, we're talking about Dustin Jacoby here. 12-5, and five, eight knockouts, one sub, going off for $8,900. Definitely a striker first, heavy kickboxing background. Uh, you know, took a break from MMA in 2015 after he was beaten by a couple of grapplers like King Mo and David Branch. He left to focus on kickboxing, fighting a lot for glory in Sparta Combat League. He's 2-0 and since returning to MMA in 2019, and this is his first fight back since winning on Dana White's Contender Series back in August last year. He's exactly what you expect from a big guy with a kickboxing background, switch stances, big power, attacks from every angle. The easy way to say it is that he's a problem on the feed. The only issue that I see for him, he tends to overcommit his strikes. He leaves himself a little bit open for counters or takedowns if Ledette wants to go that route too uh for me though it's jacoby all day ledette is exactly the type of fighter that jacoby should be facing in his ufc debut and i think he gets the knockout uh with that being said ledette should be uh oh wait i messed that part up (laughs) with that being said uh the uncertainty of uh jacoby's ground game makes him at the higher end of these picks somebody that i might want to stay away from he's eighty nine hundred dollars i think there's better value at that end yeah, in terms of the fight go, I'm big on uh, Jacoby here. I've been a fan of his for a long time. But quick pause, because we got we got to reflect on at least one loss, because every time this loss happens, I got to give a shout-out to the original champ champ, David Branch. Sorry, I had to say it. That's yeah. my dude. WSF, WSOF, champ champ. Sorry, okay, we're moving on now. The executive, <laughs> either way. Um, Dustin Jacoby is... 
he is that just that tier below elite kickboxer. Like he gave Simon Mar- uh, Marcus anything. Simon Marcus. Am I messing up the last name? I don't know. It's sounding wrong to me, but I'm pretty sure it's Simon Marcus, uh, the fantastic kickboxer in glory. Uh, he gave him everything he could handle. Uh, close decision, lost it, but close decision, and then the re- broke his uh, arm. I believe he had two broken arms within glory, which I guess his bones just can't handle blocking those kicks. Um, either way, uh, Justin Ledet has solid boxing. He has solid boxing. It's it's not like blow your hair back, but like if he can throw in combination enough that he makes people look bad who can't strike. I mean. Okay, we don't need to talk about the Chase Sherman fight. Chase Sherman fight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from there. But Justin Kobe, just I agree. He's he has more tools on the feet. He's more punishing on the feet. But I've heard some uh, recent interviews with Justin Kobe. He's not taking Lidet lightly. He actually has been watching his boxing. He's impressed by it. But he just has some more tools than it. Um, Three twenty is super steep. So I mean, pick Jacoby. But like. I would only bet in this fight if he was half that. So, because like you said, like, he is such a fish out of the water once it gets to the ground. I'm not saying Justin Liddett has a phenomenal ground game, but it might be enough here. So, pick is Jacoby, no bet at those extreme odds. Next up, Jason Witt, minus 145 versus Cole Williams, plus 125. Yeah, let's uh, let's start off with Cole Williams here. 11 and 2, $7,900 on DraftKings. And right away, I need to get a bell or something because whenever I go through people's records and I see things that stand out, I didn't need like a fraud alert. Yeah, that's my that's the fraud alert right there. Um, a lot of padding on this guy's record. He took a long break from 2011 to 2014. And since then, the combined records of the only five guys, only five that he's beaten that he's beaten since then are uh, the combined records are 28 and 32. Not good. Not good at all. And of the, of the five guys, he beat only two of those guys actually had winning records. After that, he came back. He fought Claudio Silva. He looked okay in that fight for like the first minute, but then he was submitted halfway through the first round. His style is he has a background in wrestling, but he's kind of like George Gurgel in the sense that he's just going to want to go out there and stand and bang. Which the it, sharp it worked. Burn. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. It, well, it's good because now he can become a translator later on. There's, there's a job after that. But, um, it, you know, his style works well if you're bonus hunting, but it doesn't exactly lend itself to fighting at the highest level, and it's not going to lend itself when he faces Jason Witt. 17-6, and six, three knockouts, seven subs, going off for $8,300. He lost his UFC debut in June to, to, to Takashi Soto. He smoked out in about as much time as it took me to finish this sentence. Um, he also has a loss on his record which Dakota, to Dakota Cochran, which... That's always unfortunate. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, stylistically, he can do whatever he needs to. He can stand and bang if he wants. But for this fight, I think his best route is going to be getting his opponent to the ground and just kind of working him over from there. I don't think he's going to want to stand and trade with Cole Williams where that's his best option. Um, the concern for me when it comes to Jason Witt is he was just KO'd four months ago, like we said. And you're never really sure how that's going to affect someone. But for me, the pick is still Witt. I think he used that smaller cage to get in close, and he can either – Make, make this an ugly decision. He can beat him on the feet if he needs to, or he can pull off a sub on the ground. Um, I love Witt's price at $8,300, and I think he's a steal. I'm on the opposite side here. Not like <laughs> not not in a strong way, but I, I I agree. Williams is a bit on the wild side, but I do think he is going to connect, and I think he has the power to be able to put Witt out. So if you're hunting for dogs, I know there's not a lot on here, Um there's, a, there's a, at least one later that I do like, maybe even a little bit more than this. I'm not betting it though, but a little more than this. But I, I do think he has the chance of getting him out there. So if you want a little bit of action, this can come through for you. Uh, I do agree that Wit is probably a little bit better everywhere, and uh, but that 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 KO possibility, that that the finishability is the reason that you're giving him as low as you can. But you could still get the guy that could possibly put him out at dog money. So pick is Williams, but 
as you can tell, it's not a, a firm pick. That That is not a reference to losing to Dakota Cochran. We're moving on. Sean Strickland, <laughs> minus 330 after a two-year layoff versus Jack Marshman, who also has a comparable layoff, minus 330 versus plus 270 there. I was huge, like very high on songs. I was about to say huge and then turned into high. So it's like a high why. It was like a why. But um, on Sean Strickland, I really liked his striking, and uh, I thought he had really big promise. And but then you know you don't fight for two years, people start to forget about you. So Mikey Gills remind us of Sean Strickland, and I guess Jack Marshman too, in a, in a smaller way. All right, well, fair enough. We'll start off with Jack Marshman. Uh, Twenty-three and nine, thirteen knockouts, five subs, going off for seventy-one hundred dollars on DraftKings. Came into the UFC following a six-fight win streak, but since then he's gone three, three and three. Most recently, getting choked out by Edmund Shabazian over a year ago. It's Edmund Shabazian, not really anything wrong with that. He's a really good fighter. Um, his style is primarily a striker, more specifically a boxer first. Um, nothing that really blows you away, really, when you watch his fight tape. He's not overly fast or powerful. He's just kind of enough of both to be able to hang around and take out the lower-level guys. Not much of a kicking game and seemingly even less ground game. On the other side, we got Sean Strickland, 20-3, and three, nine knockouts, four subs, going off for $9,100 on DraftKings. He's won two of his last four, but like you said, he's been out for two years because of a really bad motorcycle accident. And me, personally, that's something I can relate to, having been in a bad motorcycle accident myself. I know exactly what that recovery can be like. So kudos to him for getting back out there, man. That's 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 some good stuff. Uh, on the note of his recovery, have you guys seen the shape he's in? I'm at, like, have you? Like, I've, I've been looking. I haven't really seen too many. We'll, we'll put this body exposed type pictures. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's uh, like I said, he's, he's fighting a 185 for this fight. And it looks like he's been taking he's looking at, looking like he's been taking his recovery every bit of serious. He has pics on his social media right now that just show him to be in ridiculously swole shape. There's one that he has with uh he's standing next to Johnny Walker, who he's training with right now. Might be a good or bad thing, just whatever. But he is he's jacked to all hell right now. Um that's why I, I was I'm mad real Mike's not here. I have all these Johnny Walker references. But anyway, um his style, solid striker on the feet. We all know what, what he is with that. He's also a brown belt uh, on the ground to go with it. Strickland should roll here. He's faced a better competition. He has the stylistic advantage in that he's better on the feet and can exploit Marshman later in the rounds of takedowns if he needs to just to secure the win. My only real concern is Strickland's inactivity and how he'll heal up from that motorcycle injury. Um, also, how it might affect his gas tank. He's put on a lot of muscle mass. You're not really sure with the layoff and the added mm -hmm. muscle. Is he going to be able to come back and have enough gas to go a hard three? I don't know. But uh, for 9,100 points, I think he's going to score a lot. But in this particular car, with the lack of underdogs that I see on it, you may be able to get away with him at $9,100 versus a couple of the guys that are above him. Just a value pick. You're going to need to save that for the middle. But yeah, Strickland's, Strickland's the easy pick for me. Yeah, with your easy pick, Strickland. I mean, for how big of a favorite he is with this much of a layoff. I mean, like skill for skill, yes, but better fighter. I loved his striking. Um, the one eighty five plus the over two years plus the not. I mean, I know this isn't necessarily cutting weight in the same way, but it's still a weight cut. Yeah. Um, man, I, I hope he looks good. So I'll, I'll pick him. But man, minus three thirty. That that is steep. So um. Moving on to two fighters who I actually have no idea who these two are. So I apologize. I won't be given much to this one. But uh, Adrian Yanez, minus 325 versus Victor Rodriguez, plus 265. Two UFC debutantes, and that's why. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll start off with Adrian Yanez, 11-3, six knockout, uh, two submissions. These guys actually don't have prices yet on DraftKings. It's the only 
uh, fight on the slate yet that hasn't been priced out. So I feel vindicated. <laughs> well, I, we'll, we'll get to who, I'll, who I'm going to take in this later. But when I give my DraftKings lineup later on, just note that I might actually go back and throw Yanez in there. Um, he's won his last four straight, three by knockout, including most recently on the Dana White Contender Series back in August. Primarily a striker, has really good head movement and power. He's super quick on his feet with uh, equally fast hands. He's also got pretty good takedown defense. We've already talked about Miles Johns on this card and his wrestling. Yanez went five hard rounds against Johns in LFA back in 2018. And even though it ended up being a split decision for Johns, he was able to stop a lot of those takedowns. And I think you can watch that fight and see a lot of his path to success here. Going up against Victor Rodriguez, 7-2, and two, all seven of his wins by knockout. Again, no price on DraftKings. Um, he's won his last four straight, again, all by knockout. Only nine fights, but he started his career back in 2011, so that's kind of nuts. He did take four years off uh, after his last loss, so he got a question in his heart right there. Uh, but anyway, he, he's definitely not as battle-tested. You go through his record. Most of the guys he fought were from that Alaskan promotion. He hasn't quite made that move that I think we were talking about Jared Cannon here last week, where you go from Alaska down to Texas. That's just like, that's the pipeline. They just take you down there and they train you up a little better. But until, until he does that, bit. yeah. Until then, I can't pick him against Adrian Yanez. Yanez should roll here. It's not too complicated. I expect to finish. And as soon as I get the prices, we'll get back to you on Twitter about it. Next up, fighters you know. Fighters I know, fighters Mikey knows, fighters just everybody knows. <laughs> well, at least the first person in this matchup for for all of you. We got both sides, but you, sorry. Uh, I digress. Uh, Alexander <laughs> Hernandez is minus 370 versus Chris Grutzmacher plus 310. Mikey Gills, do you have an affinity for Grutzmacher because his nickname is Grits with a Z? Or does, are, are you not being biased? Well, as you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, and in wrestling, there's a big thing about gimmick infringement where it's a really bad thing to steal somebody else's move. So, yeah, I'm a little pissed off at this guy, and it's going to come up in this prediction. Um, <laughs> now, I guess we'll start off with Grits then. Uh, 14 and 3, 6,900. Uh, going to start off this prediction by mentioning that he lost to Artem Lobov on the Ultimate Fighter. Going to let that hang out there for a second. You guys chew on it. Tell me and how it's finished. Tastes. Not just lost, finished. Yes, yes. <laughs> In fairness, he is the GOAT, but you know. But anyway, uh, they ended up giving him a shot on the Ultimate Fighter finale. He's 2-2 two and two in the UFC since then, most recently. And I, I use the term recently very lightly, beating Joe Lozon back in April of 2018. Been out for a while. All three of his career losses have been by submission, plus the KO loss to Artem on the Ultimate Fighter, which doesn't exactly count, but let's face it, it does. Um, going up against Alexander Hernandez, 11, Hernandez, 11-3, four knockouts, two submissions, going off for $9,300 on DraftKings. Lost two of his last three, including his most recent fighting against Drew Dober back in May of this year. Uh, recently moved his training camp to Factory X Muay Thai. Really excited to see what he can do with him there because that's a growing camp. It's one of those other ones like uh, Fortis or Jimmo, Factory X. These are the next generations of super camps. Like the Jackson mm -hmm. Winks are falling off. These camps are coming up. He's the better, better fighter pretty much everywhere in this fight. Better stand-up, better on the ground. Um, the one thing that I am worried about with him is his aggressiveness. He's been beaten twice by guys who are able to capitalize on him when he leaves himself open, throwing strikes. And he's facing an opponent with probably has more power if you set him up at like one of those bar punching arcade things. But it's whatever. Uh, not, not a whole lot to talk about here and who's going to win. This is a showcase fight, I think. Grutzmacher, Macker, Grutz has, you know, he's got a puncher's chance. That's about it. $9,300. I, I just don't think on this card, Alexander Hernandez is worth it. There's fighters that I think are going to score equal points that are going to be several hundred dollars less. So this fight for me is a complete stay away. Yeah, I think this is, we've talked about, um, or at least I have talked about these sacrificial fights. 
there's at least at least one per card sometimes more this is one of those for me this is a sacrificial fight um alexander hernandez wanted all the smoke after beating uh oam going into the Don Cerrone fight and talked so much smack and then got humbled and I mean, he was coming off a phenomenal uh, first round finish over Darius and then beating Ohm, losing Matt. He had a bounce back, but he recently lost to Drew Dober. I'm sorry, Drew Dober for me is like the dark horse of lightweight. Like, I'm very excited about him going forward. I mean, he's got like, he's got his model good looks, his huge chin that he just dominates people with. And I know that's not a specific breakdown, but it, I, count on me just waxing poetic on that man the next time he fights but alex hernandez i do think that he this is gonna he's gonna bounce back in a big way here this seems tailor-made for him um my 370 is super steep him inside the distance is uh plus 200 i believe the last time i checked or it was plus 177 i think it was plus 200 i'm maybe mixing up two i can double check on that uh in between the next breakdown but i sorry he's he's faster he's stronger he's a better wrestler um obviously he's been finished um but um so his chin, I'm not saying his chin is shaky because he's he's been he's only been off for five months since that last finish. Man, that was a lot more recent than I thought. That was longer ago. Um, obviously, Groot's uh, Mocker has a chance to put him out, but I think he's going to play this one a little bit safe, but still has a chance to pile on the offense and get the finish later. But yes, my S370, crazy, crazy odds for that. Um, coming off a loss to punches and grits. I'm sorry. Even though he has a puncher chance, three plus three ten, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Next up, the uh, I think better way, best way to say this. Okay, Bobby, King of Quarantine Green, <laughs> minus three hundred. I had another way to say it, but it wasn't going to flow quite as well. Versus uh, Tiago Moises, plus two fifty. Mikey Gills, the King, versus well, the Moist One. Well, uh, we have we have actually some uh, some challengers to the throne for the King, and another one's on this card. We'll get to him mm-hmm. later. But uh, we'll start off with Bobby Green. So, yeah, that's like an unofficial title. It's, it's almost like the BMF, but this is like the CV19 title. They should get like get the rock out there to get him to present that. But uh, Bobby Green, we'll start off with him. 27, 10, and 1, 8 knockouts, 9 subs, going off for $9,000 on DraftKings. Like you said, he's 3-0 and since the pandemic started, and all of them are completely dominant decision wins. Um, we talked about it in his last fight. We'll bring it up again now. He, he had a lot of promise when he was fighting back in Strikeforce. But there was a lot of family drama going on in his life. His brother was murdered. There were gangs that were attacking him at his home. There's just a lot of things going on. And you can draw a parallel line to his career, to his family problems, when it started to go downhill. But it seems like he's got all that behind him now. And he's, like I said, 3-0 and in his last three. And he also fought the two fights before that. They were both pretty close. So it seems like he's finally back on that track that we thought he would be on. Um, as far as the DraftKings goes, he's not a finisher, but he's still a really good scorer. He's averaging about 100 points for all of these wins. Going up against Tiago Moises, 13-4, three knockouts, six submissions, going off for $7,200. 3-2 in his last five, most recently getting, uh, or most recently sub Michael Johnson in the second round of a fight that he was losing badly in the first. Um, when it comes to Tiago Moises, he's got some very suspect striking, and this is a guy that I've been on for years because he fought a guy that went to my old gym in LFA named Robert Watley. They had a five-round fight where Watley was able to basically bully him, bully him around the cage with his striking, kind of keep him at bay, could kind of do whatever he wanted with him. And when it comes to his striking, Moises doesn't look like he's done anything to change that in the last few years. You saw it in the Johnson fight. He had to do, I think it was an Iminari role to get his leg. So I, if he doesn't 
change all that up, I don't see his path to victory against a guy with takedown defense like Bobby Green. You know, Bobby Green's like a much better version of Michael Johnson, and I think we're seeing him at his best right now. So of the higher price guys, Bobby Green feels pretty safe to me at 9000 And I think you can save a few hundred bucks on uh, – yeah, no, I'm looking at the price right now. You can save a few hundred bucks taking Green over like a Hernandez or Strickland, and I think you're safe there as far as getting points. You might not get that finish, but I think against Moises, you're going to see a lot of volume and several knockdowns that's going to really pile his score up. But uh, who do you got? I'm with Green in a big way. Um, I used to talk – I wouldn't say smack – but there's a style of fighter. It's that that young veteran who gets a lot of fights done that starts losing these split decisions. Uh, Bobby Green's a lot like um, Masvidal in that way, where they have developed striking defense from how good they are at boxing. So since they're not getting hit flush, they think their defense is doing enough, and they don't put out the output. Um, it's what had made me so frustrated about uh, Jorge Masvidal for so many years and from Bobby Green for so many years is the talking smack, I'm winning the fight, even though you're not throwing, you're just defending, which obviously defenses don't, don't reward. And yes, you're not getting hit, but if you don't put up the off- offense, it doesn't matter. Um, it was, I think it was the, was it the, no, the Lando Venata fight. I put off betting him because obviously he finally showed some output, output, sorry, first Clay Guida, but also it was Clay Guida. So it was just like, is he finally to that point? Is he finally like, cause his striking was always there. His takedown defense was always there. His sub game was there. All that stuff is there. But if you don't have the output to bring it all together, you're going to lose these close decisions that you think you're winning. So between that, the Alan Patrick fight, like he has just looked utterly phenomenal. I'm so happy that he's finally doing what he always could do. The skill was always there and he was just frustrating to watch. And I think he's finally over that hump. And I mean, obviously Tiago Moises isn't like the highest profile of lightweight for him to fight, but I think he's got it here. And I agree. I don't see a finish here. I just see a very clear, decisive victory where he could possibly score a lot of points because for the longest time, I would say stay away, especially in DraftKings, because it's probably going to be a striking affair and dude just does not have the output, but he is... He has increased his output and has just been throwing combinations. It's been beautiful to see. So yeah. pick is Bobby Green. Uh, no bet on it because minus 300. And I mean, unless you're feeling froggy with props and want to go to decision because that's kind of how I see it going. Clear decision, but decision nonetheless. Next up, we have Greg Hardy minus 320 versus Maurice Green plus 260. Mike Gills, how are you feeling about the former pro baller? versus the the guy with the eraser i don't know (laughs) uh this is an interesting fight for kid play (laughs) a racer head yeah yeah all right well now that you said a racer head you got me thinking of the house party uh dance battle scene so you have to do the kid play man let's (laughs) (laughs) anyway start off with uh, greg hardy six and two five knockouts one decision going off for eighty eight hundred dollars on DraftKings. most recently beating jorgen de castro after losing to alexander volkov um, again, what, like the Casey fight we were talking about earlier, that booking was just mean. Uh, he's got a win over uh, recently imprisoned Ben Sassoli that was overturned because he didn't know you couldn't use an inhaler. And I kind of respect that. Like a guy who li- literally brings PEDs into his corner and uses them like their end swells. How can you not respect that? But anyway, um, he's, losing to, he's losing to like Volkov and Alan Crowder, but he's beating the Juan Adams and the Castros of the world. He's showing signs of improvement and it's heavyweight MMA where athleticism comes at a premium more so than any other division. That's why a guy like Greg Hardy with the limited amount of time in the sport can actually come into the UFC and not look completely out of place. 
But uh, he's going up against Maurice Green, nine and four, two knockouts, five subs, seventy four hundred dollars on DraftKings. Tall, long striker. He's got some pro kickboxing experience. He uses his kicks to keep his opponents at range. He hangs back, tries to snipe guys at range. The problem for him is he's just not that good at it. But you know, if that doesn't work out for him, he does have a pretty clear advantage in this fight on the ground. And like we were talking about, great athletes are hard to come by at heavyweight, and Greg Hardy has an advantage in that area, and almost anyone that he's going to face. I don't know that Green's good enough technically to avoid the raw power and the like the evolving skills of hardy but with that being said i don't really trust hardy enough to bet on him against you know far more experienced opponents like green's a taller longer fighter and i'll be honest i'm not like 100 convinced that green's gonna win this fight but that's not always what DraftKings is about hardy's still a growing fighter who but he's shown that he can gas out he's shown that he can be out techniqued and he's shown that he can get disqualified for dumb stuff and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Green caught him in some kind of sub and took it home. And for $7,400 on this card where underdogs are coming at a premium, I'm going to play I'm gonna play Green. He's, he's come, going in my lineup this week. $7,400, I think he has several paths to victory in this fight. What do you think? I am with you on that one. Obviously, this is a big underdog. I, I have no bet on it as of now, but I'm sorry. Okay. I'm just proposed you a scenario. Let me, I wanted you to see how possible this is because this kind of like goes along with many Greg Hardy fights. So Greg Hardy bull rushes across the cage, throws some crazy bombs, never quite connects, like hits hard, but never is that one like concussive blow to the jaw because he doesn't, he doesn't have that type of accuracy yet. So it's a little wild. He's landing, but whatever. So clear first round for Hardy. Either the tail end of that round or in the second round slows down considerably as he does. I mean, right. asthma and goes for uh, ill-advised takedown and gets himself subbed from Morris Green, who's on bottom. Yeah, I can but see that. It's a very real possibility. Not to mention my other reasoning for going with Morris Green. This will be the, the, the just longest tall like in terms of just this is the tallest longest guy that hardy has ever fought and i know that that's not everything this isn't uh the jones versus gustafson one where we're just talking about oh, it's all about inches they're the same yeah. inches that's not what we're talking about it's just it's a different um range he's really gonna have to leap to get in there and i don't think he's used to doing that especially because he doesn't know how to throw straight punches so and i'll give more screen that i mean he's not phenomenal but Duke can throw straight punches yeah so even just disrupting uh hardy's rhythm on his way in so this is definitely one of those ones, especially when he goes to like has to dig deep and go blood and guts with Jorgen De Castro that I think that Maurice Green has a shot at the plus 260. So I'm 100% with you. The underdog is worth it. DraftKings makes sense because he can come up big. Yeah. And if you're dog hunting, this is definitely one to do. I wouldn't even go inside this or anything. The plus 260 is big enough. Just go with it. So this next fight is going to be kind of an odd breakdown not in a bad way just this is the real mike's bet is this fight right here the Mohamed muradov plus 120 versus kevin holland minus 140 so i'm going to quick give you his breakdown and why he's betting it and then, then we'll go to mikey gills to the DraftKings. then we'll come back to me over that so real mike's bet is Mahmed Muradov at the plus 120, and his reasoning is he thinks his striking is beautiful. He's got that Team Mayweather connection. He switches stances very well. His body shots uh, ends with headshots, and he thinks he can keep it up uh, in this fight against Kevin Holland. And uh, I, I know this from previous talks with Mike. He is also it was fairly turned off by uh, Holland's performance against Sam Alvey. Um, no, now I'm mixing up fights. 
That was Swan. That was yeah, that was Spawn. What was the last? Spawn. What was the what last? Yeah. yeah, what was the last what was the last Kevin Holland fight? I'm trying to remember. Obviously, I'm trying to remember someone else's conversation. So this is going to, <laughs> I remember the Buckley the, the, fight. Okay. It, it, it was the split versus uh Darren Stewart. We were high, very high on Kevin Holland there, and he just he was left wanting in that spot. So that is the Mikey, the real Mike breakdown. Sorry, again, I'm gonna need name tags on you guys at some <laughs> point. So that it's his bet that's the one unit for plus one twenty um to win. 1.2 units so yes we do have a dog on this card and with that mikey gills your breakdown well yeah it's easy it's easier to confuse uh real mike and i this week because now i have hair that that hasn't been a problem before but um we'll start off with uh we'll, yeah you, you know you you sit over there on your computer just hands running through your hair like it's nothing it just drives me and anyway um, it's just the beard it's just the beard <laughs> Yeah, I, I had to freshly shave for this one too. But um, we'll start off with Kevin Holland, 19 and 5, nine knockouts, six submissions going off for $8,200 on DraftKings. He is the other guy that we were talking about in terms of the COVID King. He's also won three straight in 2020 after getting choked out by Brendan Allen in 2019. Diverse striker, can attack you from all angles, has heavy power, uh, uses power from range really well, as you saw in the Buckley fight. Uh, which is expe- it's especially important in this fight because he's a six-inch reach advantage. And, of course, if that strike- striking doesn't work out for him, he's got that black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He loves to fall back on going up against Mahmoud Miradov, 24-6, and six, 16 knockouts, three subs, going off for $8,000. Like you said, he's a member of the money team, the first ever um, MMA fighter assigned to the money team. He's won his last 13 fights dating all the way back to 2016. Uh, he also had a lot of early career losses, but he's only lost one fight since 2014, primarily a boxer, but also throws some really nasty flying knees. If you go look at this guy's highlight reel, he doesn't always knock people out with the flying knees, but he will throw them as soon as they start ducking away from his power. He's really nice at that technique. Technique. It's going to be harder to land on this fight, though, because Holland is such a tall guy. It's a really close fight to call. I, I don't hate the bet at all. You know, Miradov has a skill set that, you know, it poses problems for anyone he faces. Lots of power, aggressive. He can sniff out a hurt opponent as well as anyone else will see. But he could find himself in trouble against distance with a striker who's just got more tools, more attacks to the legs. And if it hits the ground, for me, it feels like it's only a matter of time at that point. So I'm going to pick Holland in this fight, but you know, Meridoff, he is a very live dog, especially on DraftKings for $8,000. Uh, dogs are coming at a premium on this card. They're hard to find. And he might be a shot for it. If you can find somebody else on the bottom end that you like, and that'll help you save money so that you can stack another top end fighter. This is why I started with uh, real Mike here. Cause he definitely has a, verifiable side on this fight and why i went to mikey gills to give more information on said fight i know i would echo many of the sentiments here i'm 50 50 uh on this fight like i wouldn't be surprised if this one was a pick em, but in a fight that i see as a pick em and see as a 50 50 fight i 100 get going for the dog here it's actually tightened up a little bit now um earlier in the week when i first made the notes i'm pretty sure Murata was plus 145 so even if he dips up that dips if he shoots up higher than the plus 120 that he is currently at that would very much be worth going in there on and i mean obviously the bet for the show is muradov so let's roll with that dog <laughs> that, was, that was a terrible line and i apologize <laughs> i, I, I gotta back you up with these laughs i gotta i gotta be better <laughs> I, it's okay no no even as, as it's leaving my mouth i'm just like 
this is terrible. I That's mean, the worst feeling. Like it, it catches me. Like I'm like I, I had something in my head, and I'm like I'm gonna quick do a little multitask here, and then like, I'm, I'm gonna start talking, and then I'm just like, and then it went away. And then I tried to yeah. reach for it and grab it and pull it back, but by then it was, it was 100 gone. Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> just <laughs> the, segue. <laughs> that was a great segue. <laughs> the camo king himself finally getting his Reebok camo shorts first fight with him minus 145 versus Andre touchy feely plus 125 yeah that's right feely is about to get touched and in no way that he ever wants to yes I am giving my cards very early on this one and I will even just do my breakdown quick before going to DraftKings I am very bullish on Bryce Mitchell here at the minus 145 that is my bet for this card at the minus 145 so that's 1.45 units to win one unit and my main reasoning here is other than being able to strike a little bit at range and having the reach advantage, I do not see an edge that Feely has in this fight. I am surprised as close as it is. I understand this is a step up, but if you were as utterly dominant as Mitchell was in his last go around versus uh, Charles Rosa and just can like a guy that's that high, that high ranked in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and you just like manhandle him. And I'm sorry, Andre Feely, he has been at a team. That's right. Now they're, they're team alpha now. They're no longer team alpha male. They're trying to be inclusive. So they're team alpha. Well, he's about to get turned into a beta because he must have been the one there for <laughs> all that time because he never learned wrestling once in the entire time he's been there. And Bryce Mitchell is about to put on a clinic. And I would not be surprised if he subbed him. And I know that is a lot of information throughout you, but I'm sorry. I am hyped for this fight. Mikey Gills, give me your breakdown on Mitchell versus Feely. I'm not as bullish on Mitchell on Mitchell as you are. I would pick him to be the winner, but I could definitely see a situation here. I guess let's let's cover the basics. Uh, Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell, thirteen and nine subs, uh, going off for eighty five hundred dollars on DraftKings. That's a good middle of the road price for a guy like Mitchell. Four and zero since entering the UFC, but just an intangible that we don't normally talk about. It's a bad month if you've been a fighter who's landed a twister in the UFC. I'm just throwing that out there. If you've landed a UFC recently. Things have gone bad for you. But we're talking about Feely in this fight. He's going off for $7,700 on this, on this uh, lineup. And the way I see this, I, I understand and I agree with what you were saying about Bryce Mitchell and his grappling, his wrestling, and staying on top in this fight. I get it. And I believe it. But if it stays on the feet, if Feely can just summon the, the will of Uriah Faber or whatever, just and he could like, you know, find a way to stay on his feet, Man, I think I think Bryce Mitchell's gonna have a tough time with this guy striking. So for seventy seven hundred dollars, again, there's not many dogs that I like on this card, but Feely could be one. I think he's gonna end up in a lot of lineups. So again, seventy seven hundred dollars. If you need somebody in that range, he is the best priced uh, underdog in that range that I think is gonna be able to do or have a chance at anything. Just because so many of these fights are so lopsided this week, I agree with you. Bryce Mitchell is going to win this fight. I'm going on record saying that, but Feely is pretty is liver than I think you is you think he is, and I'll just leave it at that. I would give you more credence on that if this was the bigger cage, but I can just see Bryce Mitchell getting into that cage at some point because Feely, although he's he's worked on it, he still doesn't really move well laterally. He backs right. up to get out of the way, so that's why I think eventually he'll hit the fence. I'll say, this is. This is a this is a fight that hasn't happened yet, so I could very well be wrong. But I'm all for the future commercial star. By the way, if you have not seen Bryce Mitchell's car commercial for the dealership out by him, you need to watch it. I feel like it was made for Tosh Point oh, 
but it's not on there yet. So by all <laughs> means, go watch it, enjoy it. I'll see if I can find it and share it. I know Dana has been sharing it all the way leading up to is, this. Is Dana that the White. one with the? Is that the one with the challenger? That. I think yeah. so. He, he just it's just all like shadow boxing and like there's randomly fire and oh, then he okay. punches through a car windshield and then kicks through it and then like no, I'm, th- I'm thinking of a different out. one. Barstool Sports retweeted something earlier about a car commercial. I couldn't I couldn't remember who was in it. But no, it was, it was pretty funny. I'll, I'll try to share it later and I'll t- I'll tag you in it so we get to share that around. Okay. okay. We're going to a main event that is sad. And it's sad because it's Uriah Hall, who's minus 230 versus Anderson Silva, plus 190. And that's not why it's sad. Those odds aren't why it's sad. This is the retirement of Anderson Silva. So we're going to do a quick breakdown of this fight. And then me and Mike Gills here might play a little game called Who Saw the Better Anderson Silva Moment? Because then that's a lot (laughs) nicer and makes us feel a lot better about this fight than the actual fight is going to. So Mike Gills, in terms of DraftKings, Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva, two classically low output guys. All right, so Anderson Silva, 7,600 on DraftKings. And I just, a couple of things here that I wrote down just to kind of put this into context. When Anderson Silva started his career, Bill Clinton was our president. That's number one. A a two liter of Coca-Cola cost you 89 cents. The iMac had not been invented yet. You could leave your shoes on in the airport and the number one song in the country was The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. It still is in my heart. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's been a long road. Uh, Anderson Silva, you mentioned that he's a very low output counter striker. For DraftKings, maybe 10 years ago, he would have been a great fighter when you knew that there was going to be a knee or a front kick coming somewhere along the lines. I wouldn't touch Anderson Silva now, even in a five-round fight where you have the chance for more output. But especially in this fight, I'm just going to leave him alone completely. Uriah Hall, 15-9, 11 knockouts, going off for 8,600 on DraftKings. He's won his last two fights since getting KO'd by Paulo Acosta back in 2018. Uh, he's finished every fight since... Oh, wait. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Crap. Anyway, he's 36 years old. This isn't exactly a young lion versus old lion fight. Uh, he has that loss to Chris Weidman, which somehow feels poetic. If he could beat Anderson, there's, there's a connection. I don't really have the math equation worked out yet. But for me, this fight is all about one thing. When is the last time that you saw Anderson Silva show up to try to win a fight? I'm, like, I'm asking you right now. It's been years since I've seen that guy when walk into. I still want my money from when he TKO'd, um, uh, Bisbing. Okay. With that, <laughs> that knee, sent his mouthpiece flying, and that fight was over. I don't care. I had him, and I had him by TKO. I had plus one ninety on that. And they're like, no, it's fine. He's still fighting. And then Bisbing got resurrected as a zombie and outboxed in the remaining two rounds. Uh, segue, I disagree with you slightly in that just because Bisbing immediately looked at the referee like, I was looking for my mouthpiece. He was never out. I'm on, I'll, I'll die on that. He didn't have an eye. <laughs> then, then that's even worse for Anderson. <laughs> but that was the last time he went for like, he did that highlight finish. And yeah. that, was, that was earlier in the fight. That was before even, because I think it was the next round that Bisbing knocked him down. And I'm like, Bisbing's knocking you down? Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, stylistically in this fight, I just think uh, yeah, I just don't see how Anderson's going to win this. I mean, maybe he could channel some magic, but he's 45 years old, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, the pick is just Uriah Hall. I'm going to stay away from him on DraftKings all the same because Anderson is still good enough to not get finished. I think he can stand out there. And there might be a mutual respect thing between these two mm-hmm. where they just don't finish each other and then they hug it out for 15 minutes while Anderson Silva cries. So for me, complete stay away. It's like the meme everyone puts out anytime this happens, and it's Spider-Man looking at Spider-Man, but the difference is it's 
like Spider-Man when he's older and tired and like another one's just like a kid wearing a Spider-Man pajamas. Yeah, it's Tobey Maguire in the third one facing off against Andrew Garfield in the first Ooh, one. Oh, that's mean, man. When he's all emo and it's to the side and does this weird dance. Like, I'm not, I'm not here for that. <laughs> the references run deep. Um, so we, we are going to quit. I will quick recap the bets. Um, we're, so we're, we're not going to argue over who had the best experience? CNN we show. are, but I figured since we're doing the <laughs> breakdowns, we should go right into that and then the DraftKings uh, lineup. Go for it. And then we will do that because then that ends this on a this ends on a high note. Fair <laughs> enough. So uh, the re- review for the bets is one unit at the to win one point two on Muradov. See, he's an easier name to say. Sorry, Muradov at the plus one twenty, and then one point four five units on Bryce Mitchell to win you one unit. Now, Mikey Gills, DraftKings lineup. Where are you at? All right, so again, coming off a week where we scored 486.5 points, I'm looking to keep that going. That was a great week. So start. we're going to start off this week with Bobby Green, $9,000. He's at the top of our slate. This is an easy pick for me. Moises is there to be taken advantage of on the feet. Green has solid takedown defense, and I see him running away with this fight. Next up is Courtney Casey at $8,700, one of the many value picks on this card. She should be able to dom- dominate this fight on the ground and score big, most likely getting a submission or a TKO. I definitely see this fight ending inside the distance. Next up, Miles John, $8,400. Uh, this pick for me is as much about the opponent as it is the person I'm picking. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, Miles John has clear pass to victory in this fight, and I haven't seen anything from the Tibby Dodd that makes me think he's capable of stopping Johns from delivering on them. Even though Johns isn't much of a finisher, I expect to finish in this fight, probably on the ground. Next up is the Vanilla Gorilla, Jason Witt, $8,300. Maybe the most value pick on the card, in my opinion. And if I was in charge of pricing, I would have had him priced maybe anywhere like $8,700, $8,800. There's a couple of fighters that I think have less of a chance of winning in front of him. Cole Williams is a fraud, and he's about to get rolled. Smaller cage should help him get to work in this fight, so let's go Jason Witt. Next up, Kevin Holland. Sorry, Real Mike, going right against your pick head-to-head on this one. Um, it's not that I don't believe in Miradoff. He's a solid striker and he's going to be dangerous at all times in this fight. But in the smaller cage, I think Kevin Holland is good enough to use his striking to either hold his own on the feet or drag him down to the ground and do his work from there. Last up, we already talked about it. Maurice Green, $7,400. Honestly, I was sold on this fight as soon as you told me that I could bet against Greg Hardy for $7,400. Green's a decent guy on the feet who can use his kicks to keep Hardy at range. He can exploit the many holes in Hardy's striking defense. And if it goes to the ground, he has the ability to submit him. So $7,400, I love that price. Uh, this lineup, it maxes you out at fifty grand. no wiggle room. Uh, if you wanted to change somebody up in the middle, you can maybe go up and get a Sean Strickland instead of Bobby Green if you wanted to. Maybe a little better chance of the finish. I understand doing that. But anyway, recapping real quick, Bobby Green, Courtney Casey, Miles Johns, Jason Witt, Kevin Holland, and Maurice Green. Let's go. Sorry, I was feverishly writing something down. You'll find <laughs> out why later. <laughs> Sounded way worse than I intended. Okay, so we're gonna. <laughs> it's even weirder uh, when you're like pointing at the camera. I know. I like. I don't. Now knowing that we're on video now and people are watching live, I like to try to throw in as many hand gestures as I can. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like Ricky Bobby, just like. <laughs> see, but I don't just raise them up. I like to do things with them, so it's just like big hands, small hands, big hands, small hands. If you don't know what I'm doing, watch the video. It makes more sense. Um, quickly before we end up on a high night. Na- high note i want to actually end up on another high note uh real mike messaged me about this i want to give a shout out here to a david 
Shipman. He followed your DraftKings lineup and made himself a good bit of money on the last event. And he was going to try to donate to us, asking us if we accept donations. He wanted to say thank you. Once he got paid out, he was going to send us some stuff. We didn't see that message. And then we had a fake Twitter account, fake of the show. They put a V where a Y is supposed to be and gave him a wrong email. And we're trying to extort money from our dude. It's not extort, but just try to get what he was going to send to us that we had no idea about. So luckily we caught it in time. He did not get scammed. But I mean, just watch out for Twitter accounts that are even one letter off, apparently. Yeah. I didn't I, think we were the big enough a show that we have a fake account that's trying to steal money from us, but apparently it's out there. But so big thank you to David Shipman Freeman, considering that we're happy we made you money and here's hoping we make you more money in the future. And you can think directly here. This is going to look out. I don't know that's how your YouTube is set up, but currently on my screen, I have the video of Mike above me. I know that's not how you have it set up. So when I do this, that's to him, but you're likely over there. So kudos <laughs> to that guy. You made David Shipman some money and luckily you didn't get screwed over, man. I'm, I'm happy that didn't happen. It, so real, gonna... real quick, I just want to dovetail off that for one second. I was actually impressed by the fake account. It got me. I saw uh, well, it. I, it was we identical. Were our, we were in our group chat and they're like, we got scanned. I'm looking at it like, what are you guys talking about? Like, that's, that's us. I had, to, I had to look really close, but no, it's actually a badge of honor that there's people scamming to be us now, but that's a, that's a sign of growth. And I'm real happy with that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you at MMA for money of the show. That was, that was good. <laughs> that's, that's solid there. Um, so there's that. Now we're going to end on a high note. And I think I'm trying to, be, trying to think of a good name to call this. We'll call this memories of the spider. <laughs> from, Tales from the spider web. Tales from the spider web. I like that. I'm going to go with that one. Um, so since, okay, we'll go order of events. So since yours was at uh, UFC 101 and mine was at 126, I'll let you go first. So your, your favorite live Anderson okay. Silva event. So I guess there's three parts of this. Um, number one, the, the event was actually really boring. Uh, there was only, there was only one finish. It was Johnny Hendricks. Um, fighting um, Amir Sadali. He knocked him out in like a minute. And then it was a bunch of decisions leading up to the Anderson Silva fight. The crowd got very restless. This is a drunk Philadelphia crowd. They were nuts. The biggest fight I've ever seen at a sporting event happened right below me on the floor. The entire floor started fighting each other. The, if you go back and watch the broadcast, you'll hear Joe Rogan actually mention, he goes, there's 17,000 people here. Not one of them is watching the fight in the cage. But anyway, getting to the Anderson Silva fight, that was the Forrest Griffin fight. The one where... Anderson Silva had a couple of bad performances in a row and everyone was kind of down on him. He got booed a lot coming out to the cage that night. And Anderson Silva came out there and, you know, he, he was doing the same thing for the first minute. And then he claps it up and he starts getting in Forrest Griffin's face, completely clowns on one of the worst things you see. Forrest Griffin ran out of the cage. He will never recover from that, that image of him running out there. Junior Seau was in his corner for some weird reason. I have no idea why, but that was just a crazy good event. I'll never forget that moment. And I love being able to say that I saw one of the greatest of all time and arguably his best performance. What, what, what did you say? Well, I will say in terms of that, one thing I will give to Forrest Griffin is in his very next fight, he came out to, I get knocked down by Chumbawamba <laughs> and touche to have the foresight on that one. That was, that, that one was good. And also well, would, not be the, would not be the last time that he's run out of a cage. He's, he's done it a few times. Well, he should have came out the flock of seagulls, ran away, but that's just my <laughs> That would have been perfect. <laughs> so now mine is, this is my first, on top of the fact that this happened, and I'll get into that. This was my first ever live UFC event, period. 
So I was in the UFC for a long time, just, just watching live. And my father-in-law, or like just father-in-law, like recently married at that point, said, okay, I know you're super into this. We've watched it with you a number of times. We are too, him and my brother-in-law. Just like, pick an event. We'll go wherever in the States, as long as it's in the States. And if you list like whoever's the most fighters you want to see, we'll go to that one. So we're literally at dinner and I'm on my phone back on my Nextel Blackberry scrolling up and down, looking on, uh, I think the SureDog app or something like that, seeing, or maybe MA Junkie, either way, trying to see like who all of my favorite fighters were on. Well, my, one of my longtime favorite fighters is Rich Franklin, um, Forrest Griffin. <laughs> um, I, I love this guy from the WC. His name was Cowboy Cerrone. He was debuting that night. I heard of him. Yeah. Um, I liked Chad Mendes also. He was debuting. There's there a lot of, that was the WC transfer over. And then I'm looking up higher and like, and I, and I love Vitor Belfort. I like, I love, like I was just starting to watch the older UFCs and I was like, mm-hmm. all in on Vitor Belfort. I'm like, and I wasn't super sold on Anderson at that point. Cause obviously he had had the bad performances and he had the great one with Forrest Griffin. And then he had to come back to the, I think the Damian Meyer one was at 112 after that, the one in Abu Dhabi where he just like run around and nothing. Well, either way. So I'm watching the countdowns get so into this. So this is UFC 126, Mandalay Bay. I go there. That was actually when John Jones beat uh, Ryan Bader also after like yeah. hopping over him, choking him out, and then getting the title shot. So I'm so hyped for this fight, right? And I actually it was the first time betting too. Went to the the sports book. I had money on Vitor Belfort in this fight. And this was huge. This was this was like old school pride. I mean, they both fought in pride, but you know what I mean? The old yeah. school UFC Vitor Belfort fame, Brazil versus Anderson Silva. And like you're watching the fight and what no one remembers from that fight is you have uh, Vitor Belfort actually like almost like half taking Anderson da- down and like pretty much doing a Dan Henderson jump on him with the fist, but yeah. it literally just lands next to his head. But you can hear the thud and just being like, oh, it was so close. Oh, this is it. like it was so electric. And then like literally watching and then watching and then watching and then the foot just flicked up <laughs> and then he just melted. And yeah. it was the most like it was just dead sounds for a second. And then. A lot of taken off Vitor Belfort Roca shirts that just kind of got left <laughs> on the ground neatly and then walked away. <laughs> and uh, I guess I've relived that so many times because for the longest time, that's also how they ended the uh, Baba O'Reilly thing if you go yeah. to live events for the longest time. So talk about a first main, like first live card I was sold after that point. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm a huge Anderson Silva mark, but. Uh, for a little bit, I was. That definitely yeah. started that one. And man, that was a good fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about it. those are probably his two most iconic knockouts. Like, which which other ones does he have? Like of, of like the iconic like crazy. I mean, he has the Stefan Bonner one, but I mean that was outclassed. That, yeah, that wasn't it's also Stefan Bonner. Yeah, there was the Dan Henderson uh, submission. Yeah, I guess. Um, honestly, the one well, the submission for. Uh, Chael, but that was because he was getting he was losing like the entire time but oh and i guess the knee in the, in the rematch to Chael, but really those two the ones you and i are talking about are, are the two biggest ones the reason i really wanted to do this we had just talked about pound for pound and now we have anderson silva retiring too and i had seen someone on twitter talk about like they don't understand why like the ufc 126 knockout was a big thing and i'm like yeah. at the time it was huge oh like, yeah you're saying this because like you've seen front kick finishes before. Because like not long after this, at the 129, you had the uh, Machida versus Couture front kick. You've had more since this was the first. People didn't think it happened, and then Steven Seagal said he tied to him. So 
<laughs> but it, uh, it's kind of everybody like, wins in that regard well no it's anytime somebody sees something for the second time it's less impressive like mm-hmm. I, who there's a fighter on tonight's card i think it was sean strickland who was wheel kicked like two years ago it was a really bad spinning like so. he was it it might have been straight it might have been somebody else i can't remember who but um and the point is like when barboza does it though like that you're gonna remember that one forever but anybody who ever does it after that it's just kind of like yeah whatever anderson silva was a game changer he was he was that he was a magician he was the first guy that i remember watching and just going like he's in a different he's in the matrix he's the he's the only guy that knows what he's doing and i wasn't around for the hoist gracie you know era but even like the best submissions aren't as cool to watch i don't think as the best knockouts so for me anderson silva all-time legend i got to see one of his greatest things in person now i get to watch him retire i remember we knew who he was my brother and i we used to watch mma together back in the day and we knew who he was when he came into the ufc and we're sitting here watching the pre-fight tapes roll with chris lieben saying like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna humble this guy i'm gonna send him back to japan and we're on the couch giggling like all right man good luck with that good luck have fun and then he you know, takes his head off with that four-punch combination where Chris Lieben was just frozen in time. Uh, fantastic. Anyway, just, you know, hats off to one of the greatest ever. Glad we got to watch him. Absolutely, positively. Yeah, I, I finished off with that. I don't, know. I, I don't feel as good about it after it came out of the mouth, but that's where we are. So, <laughs> um, obviously, we a nice little send-off to the spider, even though I could see him fighting Roy Jones in boxing in, like, six months but either way the ufc fights are done so mike gills anything final to say before we bid adieu for the week uh not much i'm going to watch uh, i'm going to a halloween party we got ghostbusters on the outside tv it's going to be a fantastic night i'm pumped so well we will be back next week to preview ufc vegas 13 santos for Teixeira. yeah they're redoing this fight everyone's covid free as far as now and obviously remember we're back in vegas so there's probably gonna be a lot of fight cancellations again so keep an eye on the twitter for updates on DraftKings. like bets we won't give you updates if they get canceled they get canceled but DraftKings you can still fix so keep an eye on that mikey gills always puts out an awesome like thread day of that you guys can read his justification and review what the um actual lineup is so don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice apple podcast spotify google podcast overcast podcast the rss feed if you're watching us live on youtube but you're not subscribed why are you going to play us like that please subscribe and the smaller videos are back good little tidbits and the occasional breaking news one which we debuted this last week where the mics as i will call their unit i i regret that second part of that yeah yeah how does it feel? What, yeah, <laughs> um, not too good on that end. There you go. <laughs> um, um, in the, with all the Khabib way in issue, but uh, we'll, we'll probably start doing a little bit more of that when other stuff happens, given our ability to do so, get fresh reactions. So comment, like, comment, share, spread the word, all that wonderful stuff. And with that, let's roll. <laughs>